Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Good evening, everybody. How's your week going? <laughs> Halfway through. Come on. We can do it. We got a lot of joy coming. We got a lot of joy coming. Oh, man. We got to talk about some COVID stuff. But before we do, just want to let you know we got a great show planned. We're going to talk about when to leave, when to leave relationships that maybe aren't working for us anymore or are toxic. We're also going to talk about mental health, as always, and also how to calm down. <laughs> we all need to learn a little more self-regulation. Also, those in our lives. But first, let's talk about some COVID stuff. Look, lots going on here in L.A., not good, y'all. I was just looking at the news and they were talking about that here in Santa Monica. They've had to turn the waiting room where they do general triage in the Santa Monica hospital into how, uh, what would you call it? Exam rooms? Their beds are in the waiting room. They've pushed the waiting room now out into the parking lot. And they were saying this morning that they have uh, up to 60 people ready for it, waiting for beds. And some have been there for up to a week. Sit with that one. That's how dire things still are. And we're now just dealing with the fallout from Thanksgiving, from uh, the holidays. Let's see what's going to happen post-Christmas because people still aren't staying home. It's hurting my heart. People are unwilling to let Christmas be more creative and diverse this year or postponing it. They're insisting. And we're going to see the numbers spiking. This is really, really disappointing and painful to see, but um, lots to think about. So the vaccine. Ooh, never dull. Um, first off, again, U.S. has set a new record, 3,000 deaths in a single day. So that's where we're going, 3,000 deaths in a single day. That's heinous. And I'm thankful for people sharing their stories. Rachel Maddow, she was in HuffPo talking about how horrified, scared she was. Her partner had COVID. She says one of the scariest things she's been through. So thank you to people like Rachel that are reminding us that this isn't something that is not a big deal. There's people that are like, ah, my friend had it. Few, you know, was in bed for a little bit. It's like, yeah, maybe, but there's people that are dying. There's long haulers that are having symptoms that are going on far, far, far beyond. Um, so what are some of the DIY coronavirus screening things you need to do? You know, wondering whether or not you have it because we have colds coming up. We have the flu. So one of the number one things that they're still talking a lot about is that about 44 to 70% of people lose their sense of smell. It's pretty profound, almost up to 77%. So again, if you feel like you can't smell things, food, candles, that might be a symptom right? So it's that smell, taste follows right behind it. So really pay attention to that. Smell again, sudden smell loss, they're saying is still the single best predictor, okay? But taste is right in there as well. 
Um, and, and that's kind of what they're really looking at. They're saying, keep sniffing things. I mean, it's kind of funny, but I'm reading a couple articles and that's what they're saying. They're like, stop smell. And they're not saying it's foolproof, but they're saying it's a good way to get a sense. I'm telling people to please get tested in LA here. We can get free tests sent to us from many different organizations. So Google that in your local area, you might be able to get some tests sent to you where you do the test at home. Don't even need to leave your house for free. And then you send it back and you get the results in a couple days. So look in on that one. Also, Pfizer saying that if people have severe allergies, when the vaccine comes out, please consult with your doctor first. So that's something that you can start getting that conversation going because some people who have gotten the early vaccines that have severe allergies have had really bad responses. They're not saying don't take it, but they are saying please consult with your doctor first, right? Um, also other news, no drinking alcohol for two months after the vaccine that's coming out of Russia. That's what they're telling their citizens after the vaccine. You cannot drink for two months. Oof. <laughs> I know some people that are like, hold up. <laughs> I was ready to get in line for that vaccine, but I can't drink for how long. So we have to wait and see what happens, right? Um, the vaccines are coming from different places, right? But right now this is coming out of Russia. Um, I laugh when I say that because I shared that with a friend of mine and he was like, hold up. <laughs> and I was like, I know, I know, but these are still really, really, really important things. So we want to be paying attention to that. Also, this is great news. Uh, Colin, uh, Colin Kaepernick, he's God, amazing human being has really led the charge in making a lot of change. Ben and Jerry's got to tell you as a vegan, someone who doesn't do dairy, their vegan ice creams are phenomenal. Well, Colin has a new ice cream with Ben and Jerry's. It's called change the world. W H I R L E D non-dairy. It's completely vegan. So I'm all in. I'm going to try it. And a hundred percent of the proceeds are donated. So no money is made from this. Um, they've partnered with organizations like the NAACP color of change, and they want to address and use this as a platform to talk about more racial justice, um, the corporate powers, LGBTQIA equality. So it's not just that they're honoring Colin himself. It's, it's a larger platform. So get out there and support that. I mean, that's phenomenal, something like that. It's coming out in 2021, that's what they're saying. So be on the lookout for that bad boy. Oh, I can't wait for that. I love any excuse to eat more ice cream. <laughs> I don't need any more, but that's one of them. Why? Because the holidays are here and we are in a pandemic and we're just focusing on self-care. We're just trying to find some joy and pleasure. We're not getting hung up on calorie counting, other forms of diet culture. It's okay if we put some weight on. We want to start reminding ourselves to back away from these stories about COVID weight and all of that. So thank you, Colin. Thank you. All right. Question of the night is up on our Loveland IG page. That's in the stories. And then we're going to be sliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it on in there. But coming up next, we're going to talk about mental health, how you talk to others about it, how you approach it, because it's something we want to keep remembering to center, right? We're still asking people, how's your mental health? We're reaching out and checking on people that we haven't heard from in a while, letting people know that we're here. All right, y'all, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about mental health. Uh, we're always talking about mental health, but really zeroing in on it right now there, you know, it's something I want everyone to always be thinking about, right? And it's a lens I use. And I share that with you to kind of empower you to use it as a, um, a barometer, as a compass, as a decision-making tool. And it's as simple as saying, how does this impact my mental health? This relationship, this decision, uh, whatever someone's maybe requesting of me and letting the answer 
dictate what you do next. We don't feel confident enough saying, hey, listen, you offered me this new work opportunity or you want me to go away for you this weekend or go away, excuse me, go away with you. Maybe you're saying that to a friend, a loved one, someone you're dating. Say to yourself, how's that feel for my mental health? Uh, maybe you have social anxiety and someone that you know or someone new wants you to go away with a group of people you don't know. It's okay to say, how will that feel for my mental health? And you might say, wow, it sounds like it's a lot of anxiety, more anxiety than I'm able or more anxiety than I'm currently willing to step into. And that then makes it okay for you to set a boundary and say, listen, that's not in the best interest of my mental health. Now, this is always about you really checking in on that because that's obviously something that can be misused or weaponized. So whenever I'm talking about these topics, the caveat, the disclaimer is when used honestly, when used appropriately, when used with full integrity, I have to assume that. And so assuming that if something's not in service of your mental health, it's absolutely the best reason you could ever think of to say no to something, whatever it is. If you don't have your mental health, you have nothing. And again, culturally, we are a little too over obsessed or too legitimizing of physical health. Mental health matters more. (laughs) Uh, Physical health, you know, a lot of times these physical things heal, they resolve. Mental health is always operating. It's always with us. And unfortunately, unlike physical health, historical prior mental health can still exist in the present or the future. You know, if you have an injury and it heals, you move on. If it's truly healed, you move on. In fact, some of those injuries uh, make you stronger. You break a bone, it repairs stronger. Mental health is not always that way. What doesn't kill you, as they say, makes you stronger? Not true. In mental health, it's often the opposite. What doesn't kill you actually harms you. What doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Trauma's real. And trauma can come from anything that's far bigger than what our system is prepared for or able to digest or integrate or make sense of. And so that's one of the biggest uh, questions I ask myself when I'm offered any opportunity of any kind. How is that going to impact my mental health? Because I center my mental health. Now, having said that, remember, context matters too. We're not in the middle of a traditional year. We have COVID. We still have election. We're moving towards holidays where people are more isolated, more disconnected, more financial concerns, housing concerns, employment concerns, health concerns. That's a huge constellation of things that are going to be directly impacting our mental health. So my point is that now more than ever, we need to be checking in on that with ourselves and others. So those that listen to the show know that I also do a live stream show called I'm Listening Live. And that show really, really directly tries to tackle normalizing, discussing mental health. I'm always trying to do that on Loveline, make us all more liberated and more authentic in talking about these things. But mental health, absolutely. And remember, if you think back, and we haven't talked about it in a little while, one of the best ways we can do this work is by constantly asking, again, how will this impact my mental health? But asking those around us, how, how is your mental health? And even offering them that lens. How do you think that might impact your mental health? If someone's trying to make a decision about where they want to go to school, you know, what college to attend, what job to take, whether they want to relocate, whether they want to continue dating someone. Well, let's check in on how that impacts your mental health. And that gets us, it, it normalizes that as a priority. It normalizes that as something that people start processing and sharing about, right? And um, it helps. If nothing else, it helps because sometimes our feelings and emotions just need to be seen. There's not always a fix or solution that's needed or being looked for because in a lot of mental health issues, they're not, everything's not always resolvable. Sometimes it's about how do I let this be a companion on my journey of life? How do I just manage it? And often again, our emotional experiences just require witnessing. 
We just need another human being to witness what we're struggling with and going through. And that's where we get into issues if someone's always trying to solve or fix when you go to them to express or share something, when you just want them to listen. And it's okay to say that. In fact, I want people to say that on both ends. Hey, I'm really unsure what you need from me right now, so let me know. Do you want me to listen or do you need me to help you solve that? And vice versa. Hey, listen, I want to express and share something with you. Something happened today, something I'm thinking about. Can you just listen? I'm not necessarily looking for a solution. And you, you feed, you're transparent. You feed people what it is you need. And it still has a lot of worth, meaning, and value. But that's the starting point, right? Just this whole idea that we need to normalize this. But especially right now, we're in a pandemic. People are isolated. So I'm saying check in on people. But don't just check in on them. Also say, hey, I'm here. Or how's your mental health? I was thinking of you. Um, really needed. And more so as we move deeper, deeper into the pandemic where people have been struggling longer. Uh, an amplification of whatever they might already have been struggling with, new things being experienced, less hope as things go on longer, and a seasonal effect of God bless it is now swooping in where the sun's setting sooner, it's getting darker sooner, it's colder, that's not helping, the holidays are here, that's a trigger for people, especially those that normally spend it a certain way or with others and now they're alone. I mean, think of all these complicating factors. And that's why mental health is... <laughs> not just a daily practice. It's like a hour by hour. For some people, it's a minute by minute. And we want to be a part of helping make that uh, easier, better, uh, more recognizable, more comfortable. So um, when we come back, we're going to talk more though about how you enter such a conversation with someone else. Because again, one of the most clear, clean, easy ways is just to say, how's your mental health? But Sometimes it's more complex than that. So we're going to come back and talk about that. Also, uh, as always, question of the night up on our Loveline IG page and uh, going to be doing some DMs. So if you uh, have a question for us, slide in those DMs. It's always confidential. Um, if you have a question, someone else might be having the same question as well. So we'll be back. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. Oh, right. We're back and we're talking about mental health, uh, you know, kind of contextualizing it. It's something I want us to always be normalizing, right? I want us to get very familiar hearing people talk about it, discussing it. I don't want it to be something that we have to like quiet our voices down. I mean, really sit with this for a second. So we will very confidently, loudly, proudly, if we're walking through a supermarket, there's people around us, we'll talk about how we sprained our ankle. You know, we broke our arm, how it's healing. Mental health, we drop our voices. We start talking quietly. We make references, but don't say directly. Why? Because we have shame. We have shame around the existence of mental health. When's the last time you heard someone openly, proudly talking about their depression or anxiety? It's rare. If you do, a lot of people get uncomfortable because it's not familiar to us and we need to normalize that. There should be no shame in someone saying, I'm feeling depressed or I've been really anxious this year. Just like there should be no shame in someone saying, I hurt my ankle, I broke my leg. You know what I mean? There really is no reason. And so we want to normalize that. And the way we normalize that is by my listeners, if y'all aren't willing to be the activists starting to do this work, well, then who? If not you, who? So I always challenge people that are, you know, participating in my work, reading my books, you know, listening to the podcast and the radio show. You have to be the ones that are willing to start to do this. So start talking openly, proudly, normalize, ask others, say, tell me more. How's your mental health? You know, that's how that happens. Now, that's part of normalizing, right? So that's what that's 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 work you can do just by what we talked about. Now, you also have to pay attention because there's a lot of people in our lives that might be struggling with things that they're disconnected from, not aware of, or not familiar discussing. And so those that are in our lives, we can track and notice changes. 
there is a very loving, supportive way to acknowledge to someone, hey, I noticed that your mood's been different recently. I noticed that your energy's a little off. Is anything going on? Do you want to talk? Notice my tone. Notice my languaging. It's not accusatory. It's not putting them down because some people do it in a shamey way. Ah, you've been a real pain recently. What's going on? What's wrong with you? Well, that's not a safe space. That's not a safe way to say to someone, I care and I'm interested and I'm here to process what's going on with you. It's accusatory. It's aggressive. It's shamey. It stigmatizes. You have to be someone who's saying, I'm here, not judging, just noticing something might be off. Do you want to talk about it? And if so, I'm here. And if not, that's okay too. You have to start to present in that way. People need at least one person that they can feel as though they can be that vulnerable with without judgment. Be that person, right? But we do that again by normalizing, but also paying attention and tracking, you know? You'll know best, sometimes more so or quicker than someone themselves might know, you know, because you're on the outside. And maybe they needed it pointed, maybe they needed someone to point it out. You know, they weren't as sure, you know? It kind of brings it forward. So be willing to do that. Um, also we have to not be anxious or afraid to use words, use profound words, words like suicide. Um, it's okay to say to someone is suicide, something you've been considering, right? Self-harm. Are you self-harming? If you notice or think that maybe someone is struggling with that, just like addiction, Hey, you know, it seems like alcohol is very often in your stories when you're talking to me. How often are you drinking? Are you comfortable talking about that? Do you think that maybe alcohol is becoming problematic or misused? We want to be able to use these words. We're not judging. We're not diagnosing. Um, we're not attacking. But we are processing and sharing and discussing the possibility of. Um, and how you present it and the wording you use matters. If you can use words confidently, people will realize this person can handle this. And we don't want to diagnose. We don't want to say you clearly have a drinking problem or I, I think you're considering suicide. We want to always make the person feel empowered. We don't want to traumatize and we traumatize whenever we make decisions for someone or take their power away. We want to make it a safe space to process. And maybe they'll say, you know what? I'm not ready to talk about that or not with you, or I don't think it's a problem. Then the answer has to be, well, okay, but know that I am here if you ever want to talk about it. And the way that you really communicate that is by hearing them and honoring the boundary they set. If someone says, no, thank you. And you have to say, okay, you know, so don't be reluctant. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid of asking. Bringing up the concern will not walk someone into it. It won't make that happen. Asking does not increase the risk. It's just letting someone know that someone else cares. That actually helps. You know, it's a signal that I'm here for you. So again, remember asking about addiction, self-harm or suicide does not increase the risk. It just says I'm here and I care about you and I'm someone you can talk to, you know, because we need to know that there's someone there and also it's okay to follow up. You know, you want to lovingly honor boundaries. You don't want to overwhelm someone. It's kind of like when parents will reach out and say, I think my child's maybe trans or gay. Should I tell them I know? No, because you don't know. You might be wrong. They, they might not have accepted it themselves. They might not be ready to talk about it. That might be too vulnerable too quickly. They might not have confidence in it. They might not feel safe or secure with you. So we never want to force someone into a discussion they're not ready, willing, or open to have because, again, that can traumatize. But we do want to let them know that we're here, that we're aware. And you do that being being confident, using the correct languaging. And now more than ever, because of all that's going on in our world, that has to be something that we're doing. Because if not y'all who are listening, then who, 
right? Because most of us move through the world thinking we have to mind our own business, <laughs> keep our head down, not my issue, what do they say, not my monkey, not my problem, whatever. Yeah, no, I want us to care about others. <laughs> I want us to get involved. If you see something happening with your neighbor, yes, get involved, protect people, look out for them, take care of them. That does matter, please. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we're gonna be sliding into those DMs. And then we come back, we're gonna talk about the ever difficult question of those in a relationship when is it time to leave? You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back now. It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Johnny. I've been dating this guy, Lance, for almost a year. Here we go. We moved in together at the beginning of the pandemic. Bum, bum, bum. Every time I hear that part, I'm like, all right, seatbelts on. Here we go. I always knew that he loved to keep things clean, but it's gotten too excessive. I can't come home after work without showering right away. I can't wear slippers or shoes in the house. I can't go outside and come back in unless I wash my hands immediately. So far, that's legit. Just going to agree with uh, Lance. You don't. You want to walk your dirty, filthy shoes around the house after you've been outside on the street? You don't want to wash your filthy hands? <laughs> like We're in a pandemic, boo. But either way, I make everyone take their shoes off at my door. And if I had people coming over, they'd absolutely be washing their hands. So I don't see that as excessive. It feels excessive to you, but I think you should err on the side of caution. So we continue. Um, you say, okay, some of his rules make sense to prevent spreading germs. But he has started to clean the house so much that he has blisters on his hands. And the other day he was bleeding for an hour. I really don't know what to do because I feel like I walk on eggshells in my own house. How can I get him to come back to reality? You can't. And it's not your job to. Um, if he chooses to clean to that extent, you got to let him. I mean, basically what you're saying is how do I control or change someone? You cannot. Uh, that comes in through some of the DMs sometimes. Our work as people is not to change someone else's behavior because we're uncomfortable. Because that's what you're saying. I'm uncomfortable seeing him clean to this extent. I want him to stop doing that so I don't have to work on calming myself down and letting him do what he feels best doing. This is part of his anxiety, and it's rooted in something realistic. OCD is rooted in things that aren't realistic. This is not OCD. We are in a pandemic. People are dying. And so I'm not going to call that <laughs> overly anxious. I think it's appropriate. I think people are under anxious. I have friends that I'm seeing gathering in large groups without masks. So this is not a mental health issue. This is appropriate based on what's going on. And you need to support your partner. You can sit down and lovingly explain that it's hard for you, but I don't see how this is negatively impacting you. Big deal. You have to take your shoes off. You have to wash your hands. What does that take? 30 seconds? You'll be all right. I'd rather you guys err on the side of caution. But no, there's nothing you can do to control his behavior. There's nothing we can ever do to control someone else's behavior. We don't need to. Again, oftentimes we want other people to stop their behavior so we don't have to do the work of learning to let go and accept and calm down. He's not doing anything wrong. He's actually not doing anything that negatively impacts you. He's cleaning to a point of harming himself. I get it. That's hard to wash, to watch. Um, but that'll be okay. That will subside most likely as soon as we have the vaccine and it's safe again. Um, if he is not feeling comfortable with that, then he has to work on self-regulation, right? And uh, maybe some therapy. But no, there's nothing I can ever tell someone that they can do or say that will change another person's behavior. We can only work on ourselves. 
So if someone comes into my office, the work is on how can they be different? You're writing in, and so I can only help you be different. You need to let go, you need to love, you need to support. A lot of people are going on this journey, they're scared, they should be. And again, it's a very small price that he's asking you to pay, which is you just have to deal with him cleaning. Go find something else to do. I think you might have too much downtime if this is what you're focusing on, you know? So I want you to back off of trying to regulate his behavior. And again, if he realizes it's an issue which you can support him and you can sit down and say, I'm concerned because I'm seeing you clean to a point of harm. And if he says, you're right, I want to do something about that, then you can seek out resources, again, around impulse control, around self-regulation. That's what he'd be working on. Maybe even doing a little bit of research to better understand how far he needs to go to keep himself safe, which, again, I think he's doing. I think everyone should take their shoes off, wash their hands, and shower when they come home. That is actually not extreme. That is what the CDC is recommending. Uh, but other than that, yes, you have, to not, you have to work on loving your partner. It's the same thing if we are in a relationship with someone who's battling an addiction. You, there's nothing you can say or do to make them stop or change. We lovingly help reduce whatever harm we can. You know what I mean? We help pay their rent so they're not homeless. We help them get care whenever they're interested in it. We help provide money for food so that they don't starve. And then we have to lovingly let go. It's hard to watch someone struggle, but we don't get to control other people. People have to go on their journey. All right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about when we should leave. And then, apropos of this question, we're going to talk about how to settle ourselves down and calm down. And then we'll be doing Question of the Night, which is up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Ah, relationships. Can't live with them. Sometimes can't live without them. It's a struggle. So one of the bigger ones... And a very difficult question that can confuse and can torment and can drag on for a while is knowing when one should leave a relationship or a marriage. It's not simple. It's not easy, especially if it's someone you still love, someone you're still very attracted to, someone who you've built a life with, someone you have a lot of investments with, right? Money's entangled, energy, time, also just dreams, right? Of what was going to be also our, our identity of being a boyfriend, a wife, a husband, a mother, all these things matter. So the ending of a, of a relationship is not as simple as just leave. It's also having to part ways or mourn the loss of the identity of who you were because of that relationship, the dreams you had of where it was going to go, um, the support, the care, there's so much tied in there and knowing when to leave isn't simple. There's no simple, simple formula. And there's nothing that one could ever be told that's dead on all times. The first thing I always say though, is there are a couple things that you wanna be aware of. And those are things that kind of make it mandatory that you leave or at least take time away from. If you're in a physically abusive relationship, it stops immediately. You get to exit right away. The minute physicality is introduced, you get to step out. You get to say, hey, unfortunately it got physical. The relationship just ended and I need to get safety first. Um, and then I can figure out what I want to do next. Uh, undealt with addiction issues also get to sometimes fall under that as well. If you're in a relationship with someone who has a clear addiction issues, they're not willing to address it, get help. It's okay to leave. And, um, emotional abuse becomes more of a gray area. Um, I want it to be reason to be able to leave in our culture. People tend to support sticking around a little bit longer. It's a little more flexible 
right? Sometimes the emotional abuse comes from people not knowing any better or not having better skills, but I do support people in mandating that therapy happens, some kind of work on self if emotional abuse gets brought into a relationship. Now on Loveline, we've talked a lot about what emotional abuse looks like, but for those that don't know, the quick, quick, quick version is name calling is emotional abuse, name calling of any kind. Putting people down is emotional abuse. Um, things like going through their phone and violating privacy and boundaries is emotional abuse. And that's a sign that someone's not healthy enough to be in a relationship right now. They need to go do some work. You can put it on pause, you can leave, or you can say, I need to put some ultimatums in place. That needs to stop. But if you keep doing it, then I do need to leave because our mental health matters. And we enter relationships not to make our lives harder. Relationships take work. Relationships have conflict, but they don't take a lot of work and they shouldn't be a lot of conflict. That's a sign that you have work to do. That's a sign they have work to do or it's a sign you're not compatible, but it's not how it should be. And I think we've normalized some things and it's worked against us. So those are the reasons that you can just pretty much immediately exit or place some things in, in, in action. Now, there's a lot of other factors to consider though. Things might not be as that clear, might not be as that black and white, right? So things you do want to think about though are how do I feel when I'm around this person? Do I feel better? Do I feel like I'm my better self or do I feel worse? When I see my partner, husband or wife or whoever calling or texting, do I smile or do I get nervous? Do I do I feel bad? Because again, the most powerful way we can check in on how something impacts our mental health is how do I feel before? How do I feel during and how do I feel after? Um, when I see my partner calling or texting or I'm about to see them, do I feel good or do I feel anxious and bad? How do I feel when I'm actually spending time with them in person or on the phone, good or bad? And how do I feel afterwards? If every time you leave, having spent time with someone, you feel worse or bad, that's not a good sign. That might be it's a sign it's time to do work on it or exit. If people are willing to work on a relationship, great, that holds hope. But if you or they are not willing to work on it, then it's just going to be more of the same in the future and it might be time to exit. I always look for workability. If there's workability, I hold hope. But sometimes people are like, I'm not willing to do any work. I, I think I'm good. And then it's time to go. But check in. How do I feel before, during, and after? You can apply that to everything. A food you eat, how do you feel before you eat it? During, eating, and after. Same with social media. Same thing about a job. These are all things that will tell us if it's negatively impacting our mental health. If your job, if you feel a bit bad before it on the way in, you feel bad while you're there, and you feel bad when you leave, that job is toxic for your mental health, and it's time to find a new job whatever that means, but that's a sign that that is not good for your mental health and your mental health means more. Same thing with everything else in your life, friends, family members, events. That's part of, as we said in an earlier segment tonight, checking in on how something impacts your mental health, right? That's the barometer. I want it to be. So again, is this person being in my life making my life bigger or is it shrinking it down? Because that's another thing to assess. Bringing someone into our life should make it bigger. Getting into a relationship or a marriage should not inherently make it smaller. We, should, we now have someone new brought in. That's an addition. We're still seeing our friends. We're still seeing our family members. We're still doing our hobbies. And now this other person's here. It got bigger. But sometimes it gets smaller. That's not a good sign. What's that about? We're holding each other back. We have toxic monogamously based boundaries where we're not allowed to see people. We feel we're made to feel bad if we spend time without them. That's shrinkage. That's not good. Relationships should be expansive. They should make us bigger, better, right? More confident. And also things like how much conflict is there? As I said, there should be a little bit of conflict, but not a lot. 
Not all the time. If you can't go at least, at least a full week without conflict, it might be time to end the relationship or definitely time for couples therapy. You should be able to go in a healthy relationship weeks without any conflict. But if there's conflict every single day, red flag. If there's conflict every single week, eh, some definite work to do. You know, and you have to assess. Some people, conflict is normalized because they're family of origin, right? They're familiar with it. All the relationships they've had, they start to not know that there's something better or possible outside of that. Some people, that becomes way too normalized. All right, we're gonna take a little break and then we'll come back. Uh, Question of the Night is up on our Loveline IG page, so weigh in on that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're going to talk about how to calm down, which makes me laugh as a header. Something we struggle with culturally. It's fascinating. Look, as a psychologist, I move through the day, normal days, uh, standard days, watching, watching people, right? And uh, watching people's ability to self-regulate is massive. That's a key part of mental health. Are you able to calm down? Are you able to stay calm? You know what I mean? Being aggressive right? Flipping tables, picking fights, screaming. That's not power. That's being out of control. That's actually weakness. The most empowered person is the one who stands there, feet dug into their power, strong, often silent, not letting someone disrupt their day, not letting someone disrupt their moment, not letting someone pull them into a fight, saying okay to things. We're going to talk more about okay and things. Something bad happens. Okay. Something good happens. Okay. Now the caveat is if there's an injustice, you tackle that. You call out racism, homophobia, transphobia, not acceptable anywhere. But if it's something that's frustrating, something that's disappointing, you just say, okay, you got a parking ticket. Okay. doesn't mean you want it. doesn't mean you can afford it, but you're not going to let it ruin your day. You're regulated. You're like, well, it happened. I didn't follow the parking rules. I got a ticket. I don't have a choice. Okay. You know what I mean? Like you, you okay things. And that's a way to neutralize because we can't let all our day take us up and take us down, take us up, take us down. So self-regulation is important. And I always laugh when I see parents losing themselves as they're telling a child to calm down. It's like you yourself aren't able to even pull that off. So what are some ways that we can calm ourselves down? Because there are some, um, there's a lot of things and accoutrements. There's a lot of tools. There's a lot of things we can actually use to help ourselves. One of them is tension and release. Uh, A really beautiful way to calm our system, our thinking, and our nervous system is breath. It's one of the only ways we can really regulate our nervous system is breathing, slowing down our breathing. If your breathing is fast and shallow, so is your mood and vice versa. So if we wanna calm our thinking down, calm down our emotions, we slow breathe, deep, slow breathing. A couple slow, deep breaths. Sometimes we naturally find ourselves already doing that. Focusing on that. Also, things like weighted blankets. If you're coming home from a hard day or something's happening at home and you feel very overwhelmed, hugging ourselves, massaging ourselves, wrapping ourselves in a blanket, something like a weighted blanket. There's something, and we see this even in the research with people that have um, other mental health struggles is that holding patterns by self or other is a beautiful form of co-regulation where we use the addition of another person to help calm ourselves down. Things like weighted blankets or blankets in general of any kind, putting pressure on ourselves is a way that we can kind of mock that and mimic that. Um, Also, there's something really magical about having access to technology, sounds and sights. 
certain shows. We talked about this at nighttime when you're trying to kind of do better sleep hygiene and transition into sleep, watching certain TV shows, especially ones you've seen before with more neutral, 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 and we can play songs that elevate us if we want to be in a more joyful mood. We can play music that's sad and helps us drop deeper down into a low mood. We can play music that makes us feel more empowered and reminds us who we are and how we want to be and how we want to think. We can use music to really body hack our moods and our feelings. And television can be that way as well, you know? Taking a mental health day, if you're feeling as though you're overloaded and burnt out and you're having trouble really grounding yourself and staying regulated, sometimes it means you need to take time or an entire day off from the world. Put your phone in the drawer and close it. Put work aside. Uh, take time away maybe from friends or family members. And just take some time away from triggers because sometimes it's hard to ground ourselves when we're constantly encountering agitation and new triggers. So it's okay to take time away. Also remember movement exercise, dance, any form of movement is a really good way to expel and, and work through and burn off excess energy. Sometimes we're overloaded. We need to just drop down and do some push-ups, push-ups, go for a run, things like that. For us, that stuff is very, very, very helpful. Um, also things like aromatherapy, candles, smells, these are things that can trigger different experiences, especially when they remind us of better times, other people, right? Certain experiences. So again, reach for other things outside of ourselves. There's also, again, like these meditation apps, guided meditation for beginners. It'll help us soothe ourselves, calm ourselves down, you know? Um, but again, just remember that you don't have to go it alone. Reaching out to someone else. Music has been something that I've talked a little bit more about that I wasn't really thinking of or considering as a tool for mental health. And that's been really profound for me. Uh, I'm not someone where yoga really made sense for me. It didn't feel like it was honest for who I am, how I think, and how my body moves. Although I do engage in it at times for more of the stretching components. But music is something that really spoke to me. It really is something that aligned with who I am and how I am. And almost every day, I do a meditative practice that involves music, where I turn the lights off, I put on my headphones, and I play certain kinds of music. And I let myself really block out all other sensory stimuli. My eyes are closed, the lights are off, it's the only sounds I hear. And I really let it kind of move through my body. And I let it really soothe me. And I feel transformed afterwards. It's truly a meditative practice for me. And it's done wonders more so than ever taking a bath has or any other practice that I've attempted. So just remember, we don't have to always follow the standard ways. There are some alternative practices that can really help prayer, spirituality. Um, those are things that have been very meaningful and profound for me as well. Also mantras and positive thinking. I'll leave notes around my house that remind me of things I want to keep focused on, you know, because it's easy to get distracted and to forget. And that's why I tape little notes, little reminders around my home of what I want to consider, how I want to be, how I want to think, you know, we can take control back in that way. And then finally therapy. What a great way to have a companion on your journey where every week you're taking time for yourself, just about you. It's about accountability, self-reflection and growth, and you build it in every week. My God, people will go to the gym five or six days a week. People will do so, they'll put so many time, time and hours into painting, into cooking, but we ignore self. And therapy is a really great way to make sure we always focus on self and nothing else. So think about that. Maybe something for the new year. Um, all right, question of the night is coming up next. That is in our uh, IG page, in the stories. 
And then we'll be uh, closing out with some DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back looking at an article here about is, are we moving into the work from home forever era? We've talked about this before. Is the office a fair dead? So it's a combination of looking at the fact that uh, will we ever be going back to the office or will we be working from home? Well, those with disabilities have been asking for at-home accommodations forever and businesses and corporations have been saying we can't accommodate that. Looks like y'all lied and you can. And so let's use this as a, as a reminder that not everyone can have the same expectations upon them. Everyone has different abilities, cognitive and physical. Some people have mental and physical disabilities which makes it hard for them to get to an office and perform. We now know that everyone can actually perform pretty well by working from home. Um, it's just different. So I hope moving forward, employers offer that as an option. Not everyone feels safer is interested in being around larger numbers of people. And this pandemic has shown us how unsafe that is. So I want everyone to advocate for being able to maintain working from home when it's possible. I've been able to do my entire radio show from home. There's no reason for us to be back in studios or offices. You know what I mean? Like our comfort matters, our mental health matters. And what was interesting about this article is that it swooped into the side topic of affairs. And it's looking at how physical affairs aren't happening because people aren't at the office or able to meet up in real time. And historically work was where people formed a lot of uh, affairs. And that's because some people sadly spend more time at the office than they do at home. Sadly, some people spend more time around colleagues than their loved ones. My my goal for the new year is to spend as much time as possible in my relationship and with my friends. Um, I should be spending more time at home and socializing than I should working. Otherwise, my work-life balance is way off. But the emotional fares are on fire. <laughs> Understandably, people are home. They have their phones. They're tired of watching television. There's not much we can do. Couples are fighting. Phones, people are sending them for hours. They can connect with anyone and everyone. So uh, the emotional affairs are happening. Now let's also remember that that's a, that's a word I challenge a lot. I think we misuse the word emotional affairs a little too loosely. It's okay to have deep, intimate relationships with people of all genders. That's what good friendship looks like. Um, it's about the intent and the impact. Are you romanticizing and eroticizing outside of maybe a monogamous commitment? If so, that's not cool. But um, I have very deep, intimate relationship with, with all my friends. Um, and some people, you know, would call that emotional affairs. It's absolutely not. It's called relationship, you know. All right, y'all. Time for a question of the night. The question of the night was, before the year comes to an end, what's one thing you learned about yourself? See, I love questions like this. It's all about self-reflection, even with the DMs. People write in wanting to change or fix someone else. No, you have to learn about yourself, what you can tolerate, and you have to learn limits. We cannot change and fix other people. It's all about self-reflection. So when we look back at a breakup or getting fired or leaving a job or whatever it is, what can I learn about myself? Who do I want to be again? Who do I not want to be again? It's all about learning about ourselves. So first person said about what they learned this year is that I have a lot more patience than I thought I did. I learned that as well. I learned that as well. Um, I also learned that I like a lot more isolation and private time, and I will continue to take that forward. I've always been one of those people where socializing once a week max has always been enough. Someone else said my family is full of Trump supporters, and now I have no family. Yeah, well, it's not bad getting toxic people out of your life. And if their Trump support was deeply related to homophobia, bigotry, racism, then yeah, peace out, y'all. Uh, again, question of the night. What's one thing you've learned about yourself this year? Someone else said, I will do anything for my family to try to make sure we're safe. Beautiful, 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 including taking your shoes off and washing your hands. Yep, because it ain't that deep. Someone else said, I learned that other people are selfish. <laughs> And that toilet paper is always going to be back on the shelves. It sure is. Here in LA, we have tons of toilet paper. You know what we're missing out on? 
paper towels. <laughs> Someone else said, uh, I learned that I had a lot of toxic people in my circle that I needed to cut out. So I did. And now I feel much better. Yep. That's a beautiful thing to do. Let the arbitrary year calendar, because that's arbitrary, the closing of the year, but let it be symbolic in that you make decisions about moving into the new year and better, healthier, more mature relationships. But remember, before we cut people out, people that are healthy, we reflect back what it's been like to be a friend with them, and we try to help them better grow from that. We give them that opportunity, and then if that doesn't work, we can bounce. Someone else said, um, I learned I'm a way better chef than I thought after being forced to stay home and cook for myself. Yeah. That's a good one too. I learned that as well. I got tired of takeout. I started cooking a little bit, which is something I've never enjoyed. It's not that I enjoy it as much as I've been uh, surprised with the ease, the simplicity of it. Also with how many things you need to have laying around the house ingredient wise. But if you get some of the basics or solid, especially with plant-based cooking, it really does center around the same like five to seven things. Someone else said they learned that I prefer online shopping rather than in-person. I know, we want things easy and simple. Everything can be delivered, we realize. We're never leaving our homes ever again. Someone else said, uh, I learned that everything happens for a reason and that you sometimes have to look for the reason instead of it being clear. Hmm, that's an interesting one. Uh, this year has been rough, y'all. <laughs> Let's see what happens next year. So much that can still happen. Uh, all right, thank you to those that participated. The new question of the night is already back up. That's on our Loveline IG page in the stories. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore with confidence. All right, here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Amanda, and I've been straight my whole life. Careful, see? You're about to see the surprise twist here. This is what I'm saying. We all get a little too confident and comfortable in what we think our sexual orientation is, and then we miss out on things. Apparently you didn't, though, because you then said, but I met a girl about six months ago, and she changed my life. See? I'm telling you, stay open, stay fluid. Uh, she lives in L.A., and I'm up in San Francisco. So, see, that's not bad. I'm dating someone who lives in another country. <laughs> so, like, y'all can literally drive to see each other if you want. It's like a 45-minute flight. So. so, we've been traveling to see each other when we can and when it's safe. See? Safety, safety, safety. We're in a pandemic. I've noticed that she doesn't get mad at certain things that my ex-boyfriends got mad at. But I'm noticing that I am a lot more insecure around her. I feel that she's always looking at other girls, even though we're together. Wait, what do you mean, even though we're together? Of course she's looking at other girls. She has eyeballs. I don't want someone to do it in a way that makes someone uncomfortable, but like, yes, even if you're in love and attracted with, to someone, you still notice other attractive things in the world. It doesn't mean that we our eyeballs close up when we date someone. Come on. Um, or she'll bring up how beautiful another girl's in front of me and it makes me feel uncomfortable. But she tells me that's just how she is and she can appreciate beauty of women without being a cheater. I'm thinking this is me just not being used to a relationship with a woman. Um, no, I think it's you not being in a toxic monogamy based relationship, which maybe a lot of heterosexual ones are, which they are. That's why all couples straight or gay need to get away from heteronormativity, which is the idea of relationships being about owning people. And you can't be friends with people that are the gender you dated or your exes because everything's a freaking threat. Um, calm down. Yeah, you're with someone. I want people to be in healthy relationships where, yes, they can acknowledge that other attractive people exist in the world. So it's not about being with a woman. It's that she's healthier. She, again, is not engaging 
engaging in toxic monogamy, this idea that it's just me and you and everything else is a threat and nothing else is attractive and we cannot acknowledge it. Oh my God, that's a lie and that's toxic and that's unhealthy. So yeah, let her be a model for opening up and letting go a bit. This has nothing to do with cheating. Cheating has nothing to do with someone wanting to be able to be healthy and acknowledge that other attractive things exist in the world. So yeah, use this as a time to be a little bit better. Remember, relationships should make our lives bigger, more expansive. They shouldn't shrink us down where we're now seeing less people. We're acknowledging less things in the world. We're hiding out together. It's not about ownership and possession. It shouldn't be pressurized. So I'm proud of her. She's like, look, I'm with you. I care about you and I need to be who I am. And maybe she's too mature and evolved for you. I mean, maybe that's what you're, you know, your insecurity is an opportunity for you to learn and grow. Insecurity doesn't mean my partner needs to stop doing whatever it is they're doing. It actually is a sign that here's where my wounds are and I can use this healthy relationship. Because again, I'm always talking about healthy relationships. If they're not, just get out, doesn't count. But within a healthy relationship with someone who we trust and worthy of trust, we practice that. When you're uncomfortable, first go to yourself and say, what's making me uncomfortable? Is this realistic? Do I wanna honor this? Because oftentimes you don't need to and you shouldn't, you know? And uh, when you feel jealous or threatened, hold her hand, kiss her, touch her. If you're, if you're threatened at home, send her texting, thinking about you. When you feel jealous, connect. Don't, don't criticize, don't attack, don't you know, make it their issue. Keep it yours, settle down, stay connected, you know? Um, but I like this relationship for you. I also like that you're expanding and trying out you know, relationships with other genders. If it doesn't work out, maybe you'll return to dating men, maybe you'll continue to date women, but bigger than that, I want you to continue to date with the bar higher. The, dar the bar must have been really low if this is the first time you're encountering someone wanting to acknowledge other beautiful things in the world. Uh, all right, y'all, that is our show. Question of the night is up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. The DMs are always open. If you have a question for me, slide on in there. Got a great show planned for you tomorrow. Uh, talking about rest and leisure. The holiday's coming up. I want to make sure we got our brains focused on all the right stuff. If you want to check out past episodes of Loveline, you can do so by going over to wearechannelq.com. Past episodes are there, as is uh, I'm Listening Live, my live stream show where I talk to experts and celebrities. That's on all the radio.com handles, excuse me. Thursday nights, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, it live streams. But you can check out past episodes on all the radio.com handles. That's YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Always great stuff. We get in, a, it's pretty real. It's authentic. I like that. Mental health, self care, projects they're working on, but it's got that therapeutic depth. Um, so, anyway, before the night winds down, y'all focus on some self care, get some joy and pleasure built into your night, and then get some damn rest. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out with me, and you have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.